Destroy! 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 Company! Destroy! 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 Company! Destroy! Destroy! Company! Destroy! Destroy! Company! Destroy! 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 Company! Hello listeners, welcome to another week of Ross Purdy Destroys Comedy. We did it. It's now the year 2021 and my guest is looking at me like, okay, well it hasn't even been Christmas yet. Well, don't spoil the game that these things are pre-recorded way in advance. It is 2021. January 4th, to be specific. And we've made it. We made it. And it's another week of Ross Brady Destroys Comedy. And it's a special one this week because it's the first of what I think will be many editions of Ross Brady Destroys Comedy all around the world. Where I, I get people and I interview people from all around the world and I destroy comedy uh, there. And this will be a perfect time for me to play Daft Punks all around the world but don't have that wing on right now. So if I'm, I might just sing it and then I'll just sing it each time I introduce the segment. Round the world, around the world, around the world. The music video with the dancing mummies, um, around the world. So my guest this week is Dean. Hold on. I'm, I'm trying to get this name right. Dean. Watson. Watson? Watson. Correct. You freaking know Sherlock, my brother. <laughs> we may have known each other quite a long time, but we haven't spent a lot of that time uh, practicing how to pronounce my name. So you could be forgiven for the mispronunciation. <laughs> like it's like Watson, right? It never, is. Yeah. I haven't heard that one since the playground. So uh, <laughs> it's good to be back. It's good to be back. Oh, this show has been compared to a playground. And I'm that... ready to, you know, uh, wean all of the sandbox, to be honest. So just let me know where you want me to um, aim and I'll begin. Well, that's the thing, Dean. I like to think this podcast is my opportunity to just piss on the sandbox of comedy. So it's my job to evenly distribute your aim or to clean up the sandbox or make sure all the other kids are out of the sandbox before you make them all cry? Well, the thing is, I've, often I piss in the sandbox and it's the guest's job to try and pass through it, try to make sense of, like, what's the piss mean? Why are you doing this? I mean, Where did any... you go to school, Ross Purdy? Uh, Manchester Primary School, Moorabark. Oh, I nice. I freaking, I freaking pissed in that sandbox. I freaking pissed in the sandbox at Lilydale Heights College. It's a high school that has a sandbox, Dean, and that's weird. I went to Heathmont East Primary School in prep, um, and then I went to Warrenwood Primary School up until grade four, and then from grade five until the end of high school, I went to Yarra Valley Grammar, which is uh, in Ringwood. Oh, I had a couple of like 
speakers come and they thought Yarra Valley grammar was like our enemies or something. And I thought they'll try and pander to us by making a joke about that, but it didn't land because we're like, who the fuck are Yarra Valley grammar? They're not <laughs> our enemies. What are you talking about? Yeah, Yarra Valley grammar is nobody's enemies. They're just, it's just another school where um, parents send their children to piss in the sandbox. And that's what schools are. And this podcast is a school. And really right now, I like to think I school people on comedy. Sometimes I give people business advice uh, to guests who are doing much better than I am. But this week, I, you're, you're, you're communicating all the way from Auckland, New Zealand. Hence, uh, Ross Perry destroys comedy all around the world. He's freaking frozen right now. It's crazy. Uh, now it's back. Now it's back. That's that New Zealand connection. Not as good as the Australian connection. <laughs> yeah, we're still working on how to yeah, use the internet. Actually, interestingly, so I'm, from, I'm in Auckland right now because I live here um, as of a year and a half ago, but used to live in Melbourne. And I can say the internet in New Zealand is a lot faster than it is in melbourne so all of uh, everybody's complaining about the the broadband over in melbourne i think is very justified because when you experience fast internet it's like going back into the past when you return to those slow speeds so yeah it's excellent internet over here so i'll put in a good word for new zealand uh, it's really fast and freezing up that's what you mean right yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Are you sh I'm pretty sure our little technical malfunction just then was, I'm going to say it was from your end. Really? Really? You froze up and I keep going. You think it's my problem. <laughs> Dean, I've done many Zoom podcasts, mostly throughout COVID, the COVID lockdowns in Melbourne, and not once has anyone frozen up. It's, it's, it's clean. It was a pristine recordings. You can go back and listen to it. But the first time I talk to someone outside of this country, it freezes up. Well, I mean, you can continue to blame Yarra Valley Grammar for your problems, but there comes a point in everybody's life, uh, especially people who go to Moorabark High Schools, where you've just got to accept the fact that sometimes you are the one responsible for the issues in your life. And it's not always other people's fault. Uh, but uh, each to their own. And that's what they teach in rural bark high schools, right? It's your fault for everything. It's your <laughs> No, we're getting off track. We're getting off track here. So I want to be schooled on the comedy marketplace in New Zealand. Right. Where's old Zealand? Why is there a new one? I, am, I don't know a lot about New Zealand history. I've tried to learn more about it since I've come here. Like now I can start to say, oh, that's a cowrie tree. That's a pahuta cower. That's, uh, that's a rugby player. Um, you know, I'm starting to understand the culture better, but it's going to take a few more years, I think. Um, so yeah, not a hundred, but in terms of the comedy, the comedy sort of scene in New Zealand ever. So I started, I, I moved to Wellington for a very short period of time back in 2015, again, from Melbourne and immediately 
uh, kind of felt very accepted by the New Zealand comedy scene. And I haven't always felt that way in Melbourne, which probably says more about me than it does the Melbourne comedy scene because Melbourne's comedy scene is amazing. It's much bigger than New Zealand's, but New Zealand... What the fuck are you saying about Melbourne comedy scene, mate? (laughs) Huh? You got a problem with the Melbourne comedy scene, mate? Yeah, you don't feel accepted, huh? Little nugget. I'm just here to to destroy comedy. Um, So specifically Melbourne comedy apparently, but oh, I love, I love the New Zealand comedy scene. And I think there's a reason why it's punched massively above its weight by having, you know, so many people come out of it that have gone on to do international things. And oh, I think it's fantastic. It's very welcoming. It's very accepting. And if you, anyone who feels a bit overwhelmed by the size and the scale of the Melbourne comedy scene, I think Auckland is a great kind of second uh, place to try and become a big fish in a small pond you know it doesn't always have to be Australia that you kind of become that ideally big fish in a small pond before you know taking on the world because um, yeah Auckland's great and there's other little comedy scenes around the country here too it's a wonderful wonderful place for that so Auckland it's called Auckland but have you ever considered that if you take the a and put an s in there it's Suckland do they think of that no no, they haven't. You should tell them that because I think that they're, they are wide open for some bullying, specifically from the Melbourne comedy scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, New Zealanders are very open to bullying, uh, which is why they actually have based themselves on an island like Australians have. Because, you know, much like Australians, I think Kiwis also love to, you know, they, they like to bully a little. Um, but at the end of the day, we're on an island, so how tough are we really? Uh, the toughest ever? Think about that, Dean, for a second. Think about that. You're on an island. You know who else is on an island? The contestants. Gilligan? On... Yes, Gilligan. And Gilligan, he tried to make something to get off that island each week, but he couldn't do it because the island was too tough. Yeah, he and didn't they, have a pandemic, though. You know, we, we invented aeroplanes to get off islands, but now we've got a, a pandemic. So it's a bit hard to get off the island. Although there might be a travel bubble that's going to happen between uh, New Zealand and, and Australia at some point. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe Gilligan will be able to get off that island and do what he was destined to do. Create Breaking Bad. You see, and then that's a great little like juxtaposition because the guy's last name who made Breaking Bad is Gilligan. And that's the type of gag we do on this show, Dean Watson. <laughs> it's been so long since I watched Breaking Bad. That one went over my head like an aeroplane during non-pandemic times. Yeah, a lot of people say that about this show. That went over my head. What are you talking about? I think you're just spouting off weirdness. Often my weirdness is just a reference to something that flies over people's heads. What are you watching at the moment? Well, I mean, Gilligan isn't producing any shows, I think, at the moment. Better Call Saul, Dean. Better Call Saul, the spinoff. He produced that. I watched that. I love that show. Love Michael, that show. The guy, the guy, you know, the, the Michael McKean, he's like, he's got the, he's got the paranoia. He's got to wrap himself up. You know, he doesn't like electricity. That's all I know about that show. That's all I remember. There's something about what you just said that makes me feel like that may have gone over some more people's heads. Just to that, continue the theme. 
Well, that's this entire show, Dean. And oftentimes it goes over the guest's head. And I just think, oh, that's just Ross. He's just being weird. No. <laughs> I'm, bit, I'm referencing something that you wouldn't expect me to reference out of nowhere. And that within itself is weird. Would New Zealand accept that, Dean, as a correspondent from uh, Auckland, New Zealand? I think New Zealand will accept everybody. We're a very open... See, I'm already starting to refer to New Zealand as we, even though I'm an Australian. But yeah, I think New Zealand's very open and accepting. Um, and yeah, well, welcomes all people from all different places, uh, so long as you support the All Blacks, which is the national rugby team for those who <clears throat> don't watch rugby and for who those sort of references may go over their head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm hoping to hit the New Zealand market with this particular episode so everyone will get it. Best yes, that's that's true. Yeah, I spend. Uh, yeah, I have. I haven't done a podcast in quite a in quite a while. Uh, so this is. I'm also using this to kind of further establish myself in the New Zealand comedy scene. Um, a lot of people don't expect New Zealand-based people in the comedy scene to use an Australian podcast in order to break into the New Zealand comedy scene, but that's just how I sort of tend to do things. So thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Ding, this podcast is worldwide. This is worldwide, baby. This isn't just Australia-based. It's like sure. a Netflix show of podcasts. Yes, thank you. That's what I like to think of myself as. Netflix of podcasts. If you ever got a, got a show from Netflix, what would you do? What would I do? What would you do? What sort of show would you make? Well, look, I think it would just be a fun little show about me trying to run a bar with a bunch of wacky characters. Uh, we have some like little wild adventures week in, week out. Are you just describing Cheers? No, not at all. So there's this guy, right? There's a character named Norm. He comes in every week. We say, Norm! <laughs> uh, he always complains about his wife, but secretly he really does love his wife, Vera, and um, we get a spin-off from like the hoity-toity guy you wouldn't expect to lead his own show, but he leads his own show, and that goes on just as long and is just as successful or even more successful than Cheers. I love it. I think it's great. Can you get Jim Burrows to direct? Dude, is he dead? <laughs> I feel like he's... Or he's still alive? He's very much alive. He's still... T- <laughs> he Jim Burrows is like for those who don't know is like the person who's directed the pilot of just about every great studio audience multi-camera sitcom out there. He directed the pilot of shows like Friends, Cheers, Will and Grace, The Big Bang Theory. He's just like the go-to studio audience director, and he also was one of the creators of Cheers as well. Yeah. So any sitcom that wants that sort of cheers magic, they get him on for their pilots. They have a little That's good it. luck charm. Absolutely, yeah. It's like those good luck charms. Everybody needs good luck charms in their, their lives, which um, is why I'm speaking to you today, Ross. Yes, because I am a, a, sh- a short man. So I've, for many years, I've been mistaken for a leprechaun. And, you know, people expect me to say, oh, he's after my lucky charms, but I'm not a leprechaun, Dean. No, you're not. No, here in New Zealand, we don't see, we just see people. 
we don't see the the, the, the differences, the forward facing outward external differences between people. We just see people. And I, I'm saying that as a true Australian. Yes, thank you. So, New Zealand, flight of the Concords. There, we got that out of the way. Now back to the real questions about New Zealand. <laughs> How do I specifically, Ross Purdy, the punk rock comedy guy, Gigi Allen, a comedy, uh, instead of pooping on the stage, I just lie on the stage and pretend to be dead for far too long, get kicked off by Nick Cody. How do I get and break into New Zealand comedy? Well, first you have to get to New Zealand. So that requires a travel bubble to begin. So okay, if anything right. you can do to anything you can do to kind of, I think, contribute to the travel bubble coming in, that's how you can get into New Zealand comedy. Sure. Right. So what you're saying is I need to petition. I need to petition Jacinda Ardern mm. and Scott Morrison mm. and say, put this travel bubble through, if not for everyone else, just for me. So I can go in and get a comedy career in New Zealand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, the Australian government has an excellent record when it comes to supporting artists. So I'm sure you'll have no issues. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And have you ever thought that they fund, they fund the government, they fund the ABC. And they the AB do fund the ABC. And the ABC with all their satire. Great. Pertinent satire. Nothing like government funded satire. To really speak <laughs> truth to power. <laughs> and that's great. And ABC give me a show. Yeah. I'm, yeah. A, what, I'm what, a political. What's your new show? Well, I, I was speaking, I start the Cheers, the Cheers like show. It's not actually Cheers. Started off at an ABC for like short little five minute increments. That gets seen by Netflix. And then they, they picked me up for like full half hours. Right. I think a lot of uh, Aussie comedians have used government, you know, government funded shows to then, as soon as they can, then go, go and do more independent things where there's not as much of a, ah, heck, we'll, we'll take a paycheck any way we can. <laughs> Who am I to say? Who am I to say? I think it's great. I still love the ABC. Sometimes if I want to feel very nostalgic about home, I'll just jump on YouTube and like just search oh, latest Australian story episode. And when that theme song kicks in, I just, oh, I can smell the eucalyptus. Yeah, because that's the new smell-o-vision they implanted at Australian story. To make it really Australian, they put in the eucalyptus. It comes with a midnight oil CD. So it sounds like Australia too. Great. I love Midnight Oil's latest album, by the way. They put out a, like their first album in like 20 years or something, like a month ago or something like that. It is very good. It is very good. It's on Spotify, um, which is where you can get your music these days. Uh, sometimes I walk past, they have JB Hi-Fi here in Auckland as well. What? And I walk past the store sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Um, I walk past the store sometimes and I think about going in, but the security guard just kind of, they were always got a security guard out the front and it makes me hesitate because when I log on to Spotify, I don't feel like there's a security guard who's kind of 
staring at me, judging at me for my, you know, taste in music and, you know, the fact I need a haircut. And uh, I just find Spotify a little less threatening. So I tend to, you know, I, I have a Spotify subscription these days as opposed to buying things from JB Hi-Fi. But um, yeah, for those doing market research for JB Hi-Fi, I just thought I'd put that out there. <clears throat> Speaking of Spotify, this podcast is available on Spotify. So ah, we have podcasts yeah. now. And the thing about JB Hi-Fi is they have a security guard out there because JB Hi-Fi is like an exclusive nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought of it that way, but it really does feel a lot like that. The floor is always very sticky. Right. And, you know, at night it gets all like fluoro, like fluoro neon lighting. And then you can yeah. see everything. You can see all the marks and stuff. It is disgusting. And the fact that I feel like I'm not welcome there, I think is the absolute giveaway that it, it's an, actually a nightclub. <clears throat> we started this episode speaking about Daft Punk. I'm not sure if that was on air or off air. So it's only fitting that we should reach the halfway mark of this episode talking about music. You just reminded me. This is uh, Ross Purdy around the world. Around the world, around the world, mummy's dancing. So Daft Punk, they had those weird music videos. They had that one where the guy in a dog head is walking around the city with a boombox. And he meets um, someone he used to go to like school with. And he wants to reconnect with her. And they're about to go on the bus, but the bus doesn't allow boomboxes. And guy with a dog head, instead of like reconnecting with an actual person... Stays with the boombox. And then there's that other music video where they're just like blue anime people. How does that, how does that affect New Zealand? Um, well, I'll get back to you on that one. Okay, so you, you weren't born of New Zealand. You weren't born of Auckland. You, you were, you, you're Australian. If there's anything that we can glean from this past 20 or so minutes. It's that. It is that. Yeah. I'm from Melbourne. I was born in Mitcham um, and grew up in Heathmont for the first, yeah, uh, six or seven years of my life. And then lived in Warrenwood for the rest of it. So Warrenwood is where I've lived the better part, which is kind of halfway between Warrendite and Ringwood. And that's how I got Warrenwood. That's how I explain it to people. So out in the eastern wow. suburbs of Melbourne. That's real lazy. Can't bother <laughs> thinking of any other names. Let's just put these two together. That's right. We've got one really quality suburb in Warrandyte and then one mm. suburb in Ringwood. And they balance each other out. Ringwood may have Eastland these days, which has all been spruced up, but Eastland was not always the Eastland it is today. Yeah. Believe me. <laughs> also, I went to a nightclub in Ringwood just a couple of weeks ago. Speaking of nightclubs in Ringwood. Oh, did you get to pick up any, any latest music there? What, what was, um, what's number one on the charts at the moment? I don't know, because you're not allowed to dance because of COVID. Oh, how do you go to a nightclub during a pandemic? So things are starting to open up now, but they haven't fully like, well, it's, co it's not fully normal yet. You, you have to sit down and you can't dance, but the nightclubs are still open because they want to like make money off beer and stuff. But 
people were there. They got so drunk, you know, they want to dance. So you had to have this guard walking around going, okay, you got to stop dancing. But it's a nightclub and I came here to boogie. Guards love telling people what to do, don't they? It'd be hard to be, it's like the number one quality of the job. It's like security guards. You have to enjoy telling people what to do. And have lots of tats. Have lots of tats. Maybe you've lost all your hair. So you feel like you have a bit of a chip on your shoulder about that. So you've got to judge other people (laughs) and saying that guy needs a haircut. Yeah. No, I'm grateful to guards though, because uh, sometimes I need to be reminded to not feel good about myself and guards fulfill that need in my life. Sometimes they just remind me of feeling like a teenager and like, I'm not allowed into a place. I'm not good enough. Never will be. You need to keep yourself honest and guards, guards do that for me. Sorry, that got to a very dark place there for a moment. What were we talking about? Well, I was trying to ask the question, but hey, you helped me segue into it better by saying all that stuff about not feeling like you belong. So you started off in Melbourne, Australia. How did, did. your comedy career start? <laughs> my, my comedy career started by, uh, started on the golf course. So I wanted to be a professional golfer up until I was like 20 years old. Uh, but in, in high school, I'd like done these speeches at assembly and everybody had laughed and that kind of had planted the seed that, oh, I like it when people laugh at things I write and say. And so maybe, maybe I could come back to that at some point. And so when I was, yeah, golf was sort of, uh, sort of struggling a bit with that, even though I wanted to be professional in reality, I probably never would have become a pro golfer. So I then to see if comedy could be something that I might want to pursue. I then I did a short course in screenwriting at RMIT in Melbourne with, that was taught by Tim Ferguson. And within a couple of weeks of doing that course, I kind of just knew immediately that, Oh, that's what I want to do. That is such a better fit for me. Uh, in golf, you have to you have to be very even tempered. You know, you can't show too extreme emotion. And I am happiest when I'm able to sort of ride the waves, so to speak. I don't like always just being, you know, very robotic. And I like to be excited when I'm excited. I like to be, um, you know, sad when I you know, listen to an album on Spotify that isn't up to my expectations. And so, yeah, so comedy also is just a much better fit for my personality. And so, yeah, within like four or five weeks of doing that screenwriting course with, with Tim, I just decided, okay, I'm going to stop playing golf and I'm going to go try and become a, a screenwriter slash comedy writer. And amazingly, it actually, it's happened. And yeah. So that's how I got into it. Wow. I mean, also with golf, I mean, to become like a real pro, to become one of the greats. I mean, you have to sleep with that. So many women. Fortunately, yeah, and that's why I could never become a pro golfer. I know, right? I mean, if you really want to get to that Tiger Woods level, great at, great at, your, great at, your, at the sport. Mm-hmm. It's too many. It's too tiring. I just want to just like I sleep in my own bed sometimes, you know? <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Um, no, I loved golf. I loved it. And it's incredible to me how much of the stuff that I learned as a teenager playing golf has come in, has like set me up for the rest of my life, you know, and has come in handy for like whatever I've done since then. For example, in golf, you have to learn that chucking a tantrum and, you know, it, when you hit a bad shot and like get 
getting all like furious at yourself and stuff. It does not help you play better. And you learn eventually that, okay, if something goes wrong, if something happens on the golf course that I didn't plan to happen, you have to accept it. And it's important to get angry a little bit. Like you have to vent a little bit, but then you have to go, okay, I'm just going to, I've got another shot. I get to start again. It's like every step in your life, you get to start again. And that's why you shouldn't like wait until the 1st of January every year, I believe, to like set goals for your year. You should do it tomorrow or today. Like why? Yeah, the, you, you get another chance every day you get out of bed to make your life better, I reckon. Yeah, exactly. Um, today, do it today, January 4th, not January 1st. <laughs> That's that would be very punk rock, which would be very fitting with the theme of this podcast. Although, are you punk rock if you're saying you're punk rock? Well, that's the subtle joke, but I don't think anyone has um, caught on to <laughs> every time I bring up the fact that I'm punk rock. Part of the joke is is that well, no, not really, because I keep having to say it. <laughs> it's more uh, of the affectation of our coolness. Yes, yes. Who is your favourite punk rock band? Oh, God. Uh, the Tiny Boys. All right. The Are they is it just like a bunch of leprechauns? Yeah. And they look at me the and le- they think I'm a leprechaun. Are you in this band? <laughs> yeah. That's the thing about punk rock, man. You can just get a, play a bass and do it sloppily. I reckon I'd be great at the tambourine or the maracas or maybe the kind of the glockenspiel. I feel like that would be my, my area. But uh, yeah, in another life, I would have been a musician. I love listening to music so much. And yet when my mum was younger and would say, you know, do you want piano lessons or do you want your grandpa to teach you the drums? Because my grandpa was a, a professional musician, was a drummer. And uh, uh, yeah, I'd always be like to mum, no, I don't want to... No, I don't want to do that. I just want to, I just want to play golf essentially or, or read books or, uh, yeah, it's a little bit nerdy. That's for sure. But I think in another lifetime, if I was a bit more open-minded and not so like afraid of failing or feeling bad at something, then I think I would have said yes to those, you know, music lessons. Um, yeah. But do, hey. you, do you play any, any instruments, Ross? No, I haven't. I've never played an instrument in my life. There's only one instrument I play, and that's my brain. And you are the only person who knows how to play that instrument. Yes. And it's like freeform jazz up here. <laughs> I, I'm coming around to jazz. You know, again, Spotify makes this possible. I, I like uh, Miles Davis, I think it is, yeah. Like, very mainstream. Like, when it comes to, if there's a new genre of, like, music or something like that, I tend to just, like, Google what is the highest selling insert genre, like, jazz album of all time, and then I'll go listen to that because I figure I'll go to the mainstream first and then it'll give, if I like that, well, then there's a good chance I'll like the more niche stuff. So that's how I tend to approach anything, whether it be, you know, yeah, something like golf or learning how to become good with money or um, comedy, you know, why not just go to the best? Just go and get Tim Ferguson to, you know, teach you, you know, right from the get-go. Why wait? Exactly. Why not? 
and that's and that in the golf, right? You go to mainstream golf, and that eventually led you to more sort of avant-garde golf. <laughs> that's right. I just started playing my local course, my typical mainstream local golf course, which was Croydon Golf Club, now a housing estate. And then I sort of graduated to playing more Ponzi courses like uh, Yering Meadows, which is what Croydon Golf Club turned into. That's out in the Yarra Valley, Yering Meadows Golf Club. And yeah, stuff. Yeah. Oh man, I love golf. I get I these local everywhere. references, Dean, because I live in the area, but does my audience get it? <laughs> well, if your audience is people in New Zealand, it's a categorical no. Right. And if it's one thing New Zealand people want, they want more of. They want more Daft Punk references to music nah, I videos. Think they want, I think they want more references to golf courses in the Yarra Valley. Sure. Okay. Is there a way we can combine the two? That's a very good question. So we well, play the song Get Lucky. And instead of, you know, about it being about what it's about, we talk about it getting lucky on the golf course. We win the game. You know, we, we, we were up all night playing this golf game to get lucky. That's right. That's, uh, that's a very good juxtaposition. And I think that will stick in the audience's minds. <clears throat> exactly. Now, where was I? Oh, yeah. So you got started in Melbourne. Uh, in a Melbourne comedy scene and you got up there and you played golf and that's why we all bullied you and made you feel unwelcome because <laughs> like, hey, we don't poly cotton to, to people playing golf in our open mic comedy rooms. <laughs> that's why you ran away to New Zealand because you heard that's what Reese Darby got started off doing is playing golf in his open mic comedy and people just laughed and laughed and laughed and thought, this is for me. That's right, yeah. Reese Darby, he's been on the uh, on the TV show I write for now, which is called Seven Days. It's like a it's a panel, it's like a comedy game show. It's like, have you been paying attention? And it's in like a twelfth season or something. It's been going for over ten years, and I've worked for it for like five to six of those years or so. So for about half of its run, and wow, yeah, it's very it's very exciting. I love that about comedy panel shows where you get you know people come in. It's not just the same cast every week you get guests in every week and it's, it's so exciting. It just, I love late night shows and that kind of variety feel to a television show where you feel like you're part of a traveling circus and anything could happen. And uh, yeah, when someone like Reese Darby turns up, it's, it's, it's very exciting. You know, I, I still love it. I still get as excited about it as when I you know, first started doing it at RMI TV, you know, back in the day. At RMI TV, you helped make some stuff about RMI TV. See, occasionally I can segue into some good interview questions. <laughs> you surprise me sometimes, Ross. You really do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So as soon as I started doing that, you know, that screenwriting course that Tim Ferguson taught, I start, yeah, looked into uh, what else could I do? So I joined uh, SYN, S-Y-N, Student Youth Network, uh, the radio station they also do television stuff there as well it's just essentially a bunch of kids under the age of 25 given free reign on the radio airwaves and and, and community television it is just uh at least when i went through it and it seems like it's still this way today a bit harder in a pandemic but it is just the most amazing place in it's like going to willy wonka's chocolate factory really it's it's incredible to think about how much talent has come out of that place. And I'm so grateful for, yeah, for, for seeing an RMI TV for like, yeah, giving me kind of a, 
yeah, making me the closest I've ever felt to feeling like I belong, you know? And, and so that's such a gift and you know, I'll take that through the rest of my life. Yeah. That's the thing everything about, that go on Ross. Yeah. So. That's the thing about sin. I mean, you know, you can go in and, 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 and just golf everywhere. And they're just like, Whoa, that's quirky. And they're all about it. <laughs> they're very accepting. Yeah. Because the whole point of starting anything, whether it's golf, comedy or piano lessons is to be crap at it for a while. You, nobody starts off being great at something. Um, uh, you have to start off being, you have to be terrible at it for quite some time. And it's, I think just your love of it or love of something about it that, that will, that carries you through that time. And if you can get through those first couple of years, especially like the first five years, then you're, you're good, you know, and even if you decide to slightly change careers a little later, like I've sort of done a little bit, then, um, yeah, it'll still pay dividends for the rest, rest of your life. So yeah, if you just, I find that to be quite a, a good North star to follow. If you, if you really are enjoying doing what you're doing and you care about it, then you will do the best work of your life. I think eventually <laughs> once you start, let start to not suck at it. Well, and that is advice, right? That is advice you are giving to the listeners, right? Whether they choose to take it or not is another thing. <laughs> I think they should take it. I think they should take it. Well, I appreciate that, Ross. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Hmm? Does that cough mean you think they shouldn't take it? This cough means that I am very sick right now, and I'm about to die in five or ten minutes. So I gotta wrap this baby up. <laughs> well, it is Christmas time. <coughs> January fourth. <laughs> I mean, it was Christmas time. Best, thank you, thank you. So, okay, where did we end in, on this journey? Did we learn how to break into the New Zealand comedy scene? Kind of. <laughs> I think if you live in New Zealand or you at least choose to live here for at least six months, it, it's possible. It's possible. It's a very, very welcoming, warm scene. It's an, it's an incredible, it's an incredible scene, especially Auckland and Wellington's got a really good scene as, as well. Auckland's just got more people. So it's more opportunities up here, I'd say, but um, well, Wellington's really great as well. Um, yeah, a lot. It's very progressive because when you're a slightly smaller scene, it's like the cogs of the wheel that make up the machine of like the, the comedy scene can turn faster. So, say when the comedy scene wants to change something or do something better, they can, you know, move those cogs a little faster than you can in a much bigger system like Melbourne's. And I know it's a bit metaphorical, but I find New Zealand to be very, yeah, pretty progressive in a lot of ways, you know. Um, and so yeah, I'm very proud to be a part of it in a small way. So what we're saying also about the Melbourne comedy scene is, is that A, they hate people who golf. <laughs> and B, they suck at turning cogs. <laughs> uh, well, it's never too late to learn. It's never too late to learn. To appreciate golfing and turning cogs. Turn the cog right. with a golf club. There. Done. And okay, what else have we learned? Um, I wanted to come in here and learn about the New Zealand comedy scene. I kind of have maybe a little mm -hmm. bit. I learned a lot though about golf places in the Yarra Valley. 
Not what I was Name one. Yering Meadows. Hey, very good. Very good. Well, if they see a spiking people turning up and playing green fees in the next couple of weeks, we'll know who's responsible. Yep. Oh, God. We influence people to do bad things. <laughs> I wanted to be a role model, not to get people into golfing, but it's you, Dean Watson. It's you, Watson. Yep, sometimes I, my passion for golf still comes out. I've only played once in the last two years, and yet still I speak about it like I, I, I feel like I still want to be a professional. But I definitely, that's not going to happen. Speaking of uh, passions, mm-hmm. you got anything to plug? Anything to plug? That is a very good question. Um, well, the, the, the show I write for over here, Seven Days, that's not on again probably until April next year. We did, uh, what was it, like 12 episodes this year, which I feel like was a minor miracle. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, but, but yeah, we are, should be on again from April next year, the way it's kind of looking at this stage. Um, we're going to do 20 episodes, which is very, very, very exciting. So that'll be happening. You can probably watch that from Melbourne just by, yeah, either YouTube in seven days or searching it. Um, and then, that, I mean, that's about it. I mean, it feels a bit weird to uh, plug the, the company that you work for, um, even though I've sort of been involved in it for a long time. But yeah, my other kind of job that I do is working for a, uh, an online school. It's a tech company. It's called Learn Coach. And uh, I started... A comedy writing competition there for high school students uh, so the equivalent of VCE students in Victoria in New Zealand they're called NCEA students and um, yeah when I first <laughs> discovered this company like five six years ago I just noticed that the social media was pretty quiet and so I went to the founder whose name is Dave Cameron he's the 2018 young New Zealander of the year so he's a, he's a wonderful person but I knew him before he was kind of well-known and I just sort of said, Oh, if we put jokes up about high school, maybe on our social media, then um, the students might really take to that. And so I just started putting up jokes about that and immediately it had a, a really big impact. And, and, and now it's a, a, a rapidly growing company with um, uh, 16 employees uh, of which, I'm one of them uh, full time, you know, since a year and a half ago. So it'll be very interesting. Yeah. So, and, and the comedy, the humor part of it is like still a huge part of, of the company. And yeah, last year, this or this year in 2020, we had, um, so there are, are 140,000 NCA high school students and we had 1,250 students enter this comedy writing competition, which runs every week of the school year in this year so over over five and a half thousand jokes were submitted by students just one-liners we just get people to submit one-liners and then we pay them actual money to turn those one-liners into memes which we post to our social media and uh yeah it's the now become the most popular uh to my knowledge the most popular writing competition for high school students in the world uh so if learn coach becomes bigger in the future and expands to countries like Australia and other countries, then I'd love to, I'd love for young people to get to experience comedy for the first time in their lives through entering this, a competition like this, rather than going to some pub with drunken hecklers and that being their very first experience of 
comedy, which it was for often for you know people like you and me, Ross. So yeah, that's the only thing to kind of half plug, but um, it does feel weird plug, plugging a corporation. <laughs> but Especially I, I on this it. show. Especially on this show. <laughs> but it's related to comedy, so um, yeah, hopefully yeah, yeah. we can destroy that. We'll destroy the corporations after we destroy comedy. <laughs> I think that's a, a good order in which to do things, but this is an education corporation or it's becoming one, so hopefully it's out to do good. Um, it will be for as long as I'm there, believe me. <laughs> hey, so Dean, ever thought that if Julia Gellard just got married to God, that would have solved both her problems with the media. And what problems did, what problems are we talking about here? Dean Watson, thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure being here, Ross, and uh, very grateful to slip out with not answering that previous question. And here's my sign out phrase. Ross Purdy, Ross Joyce Governor!